prospects here. Get your prospect reviews here. The top 50 prospects headed into 2021. It's time to review the dingers list. We're going to see who's on pace to achieve greatness, who has fallen flat on their face, and who has yet to debut for performance or injury reasons. It's time for dingers. This is dingers, way more than fantasy baseball. We keep it real when we talk and knock it straight out the park. <laughs> Let's see the stats. What's the average draft position? What kind of plays you making? Check the wins above replacement. Check the lineups and the points. This I gotta see. What's your path to victory? Are they aiming for a dynasty? Get points going head to head. Please don't do me no favors. We're always watching waivers. Ain't no minor league. This is major. Yeah, dingers. Let's go. Welcome to Dingers, the only fantasy baseball podcast for smart people. It's not just Casey Mize that wins you championships. That's why week in and week out, we're delivering tips and strategies to help you live that straight up OG lifestyle. Tyler Childs is joined again by Robbie Baseball from the murder room. What's happening, Robbie? Oh, nothing. Just super annoyed because I fixed, fixed the brakes on my truck. Uh, the rear brakes, and they just keep locking on me. So I drove down the road to do a test, turned around and came back, and they were just red, hot, stinky Bernie. And then I took them off and then put them back on, and it did it again. And then I took them off and did it again about an hour ago. Um, and then I called the mechanic, who I call, and um, say, can you tell me what's wrong with my truck? And then I pay him for that, and then I go and fix it. But this time, I could not fix it. So I don't know what's up, but I do have a big trip to leave for in four days. So this is not great timing. But anyway, how are they you? Say, they say from what I know about brakes, they say you need them. So yeah, I'm taking the back out to drive it to the mechanic tomorrow. So I'm going to try the front only, but I'm not putting a boat uh, and trailer uh, behind my truck to drive for four and a half hours uh, without That's my rear brakes. Excellent decision. I'm I'm rather sore through a solid three innings of shutout baseball this evening. Oh, nice. Uh, struck out some old guys, which was awesome. Uh, there's, a <laughs> rule, there's a rule in our league because it's like an over 30 open league, right? So there's a rule if you're over like a certain age, you get to use an aluminum bat. And, and if there's a guy that steps to the plate with an aluminum bat, you know that he's not hitting the baseball. So I just go fastball, 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 fastball until you, you ax them, right? So it's uh, <laughs> let's just say I ticked up the strikeout numbers tonight a little bit, which was nice. Nice. Well, tonight we're going to be going through uh, our top 50 prospect list, and we're going to talk about the guys that are getting strikeouts, that are getting struck out where they are, or that are not even playing because they're hurt. Um, but we can't do that until we draw. A long time ago someone decided to put stuff in glass bottles. In some of these bottles, they put juice or milk, and that was stupid. Today, only alcohol and a few other products remain in the containers from the gods. It's time for beers and bourbon, because good advice only comes in a bottle. Whoa. Nice. That was crisp. That was very crisp. Yeah. Very excited about that one. I, you know, I went to an old, uh, an old friend today. I got, how about a Woodford? Oh, there you go. Well, hey, and, and uh, Govier is, uh, is or was on Canadian soil this week to get to see his girl for the first time in a very long time. So um, Govier, if you're listening, hope you had a good weekend on Canadian soil. I don't see how you couldn't. 
but I'm not doing anything fancy, Ty. I'm drinking a Miller Lite, and there's nice. two reasons. One is that I took all my empties back. So anybody who saw on, on Twitter, at uh, Robbie Baseball one um, I filled the now um, can't drive truck uh, with empties. So this, this room behind me, clean. Uh, the nice. room out there, clean. The garage, so clean. The shop, <laughs> clean. My pockets, empty. But that's because this only costs, it's a 30-pack, only costs me like $2.50. So there's a guy that I curled against for years in competitive curling. He's a farmer that drove this truck. And he just literally threw every empty he drank in the back of the truck. So his truck was just a pool of beer bottles. It was hilarious. Like nine cases, just empties in the truck. It was legendary. I but felt anyway. bad. I felt bad bringing all my mixed glass and you know everything to the guy. But at the same time, like... I needed to get rid of this stuff and it was in so many different spots. Um, but now, now I'm good. So now I also have 30 Miller lights to enjoy, uh, like which it. I'm going to do. And I didn't want to get anything too crazy before I go on my trip. Cause I need to have generic beer to share with, you know, my two uncles and my one cousin who are going, but not generic are the 50, the top 50 dingers prospects. Um, so just to let everybody know, we, we like to use eight by eight. So that includes your standard five by five, obviously. Um, but we're also going for walks for hitters, strikeouts for hitters, and OPS. So that helps to include the OBP guys in that. Um, for pitchers, we are including saves and holds as a single category because we like to think that promotes better players. And then as we know with closers, um, ebb and flow, right? Uh, somebody can start the year as a closer, uh, go for four months without doing it, and then magically be closing again in September. So we do the save and hold for that. We also have quality starts. Um, and oh my goodness, what's the other fun, exciting thing we do? So we've got wins, losses, save holds, quality starts, strikeouts, uh, hits per nine and whatever. When we get to the first pitcher, we'll go through it, but, uh, Ty, the 50th guy on our list when we started this season, uh, was JJ Blade. He was 52 just off the list at the end of the 2020 season for us. Um, and Blade has been fine. Uh, not spectacular, but you know, he's been fine. He's got, uh, sorry, I guess I shouldn't say, say, say fine. Sorry. In 374 plate appearances, the average is 201, but the OBP is okay at 318. Um, so I don't know what the transition is that's going on with him. Lost, you know, what 11 dingers for this year. And he's at double A. So he's learning as he goes. So he's definitely been pumped on the breaks as far as shooting star up the rankings. Well, something that's very alarming with Miami outfielders is that he's not the first one that this has happened to, right? We're six or seven deep on Miami outfield prospects that had star power in the minors, low levels. And as they get to the top, they start to sputter out a little bit. So definitely a concerning developmental trend that we need to see if they correct. Um, but you know, there's lots of guys that fit that profile. Yeah, and I, uh, I'm trying to think of right now. So everyone's talking about, oh, it's Lewis Brinson is breaking out and things. Well, Lewis Brinson might just be getting some playing time. Uh, <laughs> not that he hasn't had it before, but we talked about this in the offseason, how there were basically, I think it was six, Ty, the, uh, six outfielders in Miami that all had a shot over the next 18 months to get onto the club, to you know get a legitimate shot and all these things. And, and not a lot had to happen for it. And this went as far as like including uh, Victor Victor Mesa. Uh, in that crew who we were like, well, it could happen because they aren't just going to let him sit and wallow away. They're going to, you know, they're going to move him and push him and see what he can do. So, uh, but of this JJ Blade, you know, seems to be transitioning in some way, shape or form. 
uh, not in the most positive way, but a definite surprise for us. Somebody who was off the spectrum um, when the season ended last year at our 309th prospect, but a huge move up. Trevor Rogers, uh, Miami Marlin also. And um, Rogers has been dazzling. Now, Ty, we've talked about him a lot, so we don't need to go too far into it, how there could be regression. It could be all, th- all, all these things. But in 27, you see that with rookie pitchers all the time. That's it's not Trevor Rogers. It's all rookie pitchers. Yeah, and, and 27 starts, so this includes the bit last year, 320 ERA, 138 innings, and 168 Ks. Awesome. Uh, so Trevor Rogers exceeding expectations, even as the number 49 ranked prospect. And again, this is over the next five years of estimated MLB production. So that yes, there are guys who are further away that could, could be better, um, but there's a big difference between saying somebody could be better and someone actually is doing it. And, and that's what we want to find out is who's actually going to get it done over the next five years. So being closer on the cusp is an important factor. And if you're not, like if the player's not close, then that means that they we expect them to skyrocket up. So that would be somebody who was drafted last year. Um, you know, Alec Mano was just off this list. Ty was talking before about how he was confident Mano was going to be up. So he was giving him a big boost, but I was not. Um, and I think he was somewhere in the 90s for my prospect ranking. And that's what kept him off of our top 50. So next man up here is Taylor Trammell with Seattle. Oh, poor Poor Taylor Trammell, right? I mean, given the opportunity, uh, there is no excuse for Taylor Trammell not being better in my mind. Ty, 156 at bats over the career, uh, a 160 average, but it's just been, it's been rough this year, right? There was all that crap at the start of the year, how, you know, Kelnick said if he had accepted a long-term offer like Evan White did, he would have started the year, but because he didn't, you know, he was going to be suppressed and all these things. And then it was as if DePoto heard it was like, well, let's just bring somebody up, Taylor Trammell. <laughs> and then Trammell came up and struggled and, and it's been back and forth. But I mean, no part of it has been great. The power is okay. In 156 at-bats, he's got eight dingers. So over, you know, 500 at-bats, that would be north of 25. Uh, but Everything else is rough. Uh, strikeout rate is like really close to 40%. And, oh, man, none of it's good. Uh, even OBP 256 right now. So there, well, there's not a lot of That's his major league numbers. Like he spent yeah. most of the season, like he's got an additional 190 plate appearances in the minors, right? He's, he's two, hitting 299 with an 886 OBP, uh, or sorry, OPS in, in AAA, right? So a little inflated in, in the PCL, but reasonable enough. Like he's still just 23. Like. He got rushed. He got short into the stick, like you said. I, I think there's still a player here. I do think he's more of a third, fourth outfielder, but he's going to be a major league outfielder. That's going to be a okay. Thing. Okay, now and that's fair. Um, but my my basically point of especially sticking to the major league numbers for Trammell was to describe what you said. He's just being outmatched when he's at this level, and I will use the excuse as much as I possibly can of Keston Hira, who came up, looked like he was good, looked like he was an, a legitimate MLB player, but his profile changed from college to more more of a power profile. And it seems to have, you know, kind of stumbled, caught up to him. And you had talked about it too, Taya, how you weren't sure you weren't sold on Hira long-term. And he is the um, is the alt- penultimate? Is that the the last, whatever it is? Anyway, he's a quad, he's like a quad A guy, quad A oh. god. That's what I'm getting at. Um, you, you're going to believe in him because of the the AAA numbers. You're going to say he does have a history at the MLB level, and that's what I've used in the Dynasty League that, that I still own him in. I have traded him uh, in another one, but it was just like I, I was so excited for just a consistent player, and now he's anything but. And the strikeout rate is the most concerning thing because 
if at triple a, he can, you know, throw the ball, spray the ball everywhere. What is it that's changing when he's up at MLB? And that could be very much like Taylor Trammell. So um, anyway, next guy up here, Max Mayer, third overall pick in last year's draft. We both assume he's flying up um, Miami's rankings and he's going to be up sooner than later. Well, he's he's a double A right now. Um, two ERA. Well, he's he's yep. six and one, right? Like, I mean, I, I like what Miami did here. Like it was aggressive for Mayer, right? With a, you know, a polished college pitcher. That's what you'd like to see. Is, a, is an aggressive assignment and do his thing. What I don't like, and, and there's two parts to this. First part is I don't like that Miami was dangling him at the trade deadline. That's concerning, right? As a team looking to build around guys in this age group, it's a concerning thing that he was available at the trade deadline. I don't know why, but he was. Um, and his walks per nine right now is 3.8, and his K per nine is 9.9. Right. So even if it's an aggressive, like he's two on average, 2.6 years younger than his competition at double A. But, you know, the reality here is that he's played against a lot of higher end polished players for the last couple of seasons. Um, I'm very concerned about the drop from the 15K per nine in his last year of college to a nine nine. And listen, there's better hitters at double A. That's obvious. Right. But at the same time, that that is just <clears throat> concerning. It's not it's not a red alarm yet. But it's it's a flag to stick in Max Mayer to just watch. Okay, next guy up, Emerson Hancock with Seattle. Ty, you really liked him out of the draft. Um, he has been limited somewhat in innings. Uh, Ten starts this year at both A and Double A, I believe. Yes, high A and Double A, thirty-five and two-third innings, thirty-six Ks. Um, but the WHIP, beautiful decimal nine two five, uh, hits per nine at four point eight. So um, again, this is somebody who I think is along the the 2022 train with George Kirby, although I, I guess Kirby's one behind. I don't think Kirby's up at double A yet, um, but it doesn't matter if he is or isn't. They're both next year uh, aligned and Seattle is looking good with that rotation. You know, you, you center it around um, your boy, Marco Gonzalez and your other boy, <laughs> Chris Flexen. Um, oh man. They, really out into the rotation. <laughs> uh, but anyway, just, you know, they seem to have some good promise. And one of the nice things that did happen, and I, I don't, I feel like we're going to mention them much higher up. Um, Logan Gilbert did not come in, suck, continue to suck and then get demoted. So Logan Gilbert, part of that rotation moving forward, Emerson Hancock likely to join it next year. Uh, next gap, Riley Green with Detroit. This is one of the guys that that was, I think it maybe it's the youngest or second youngest guy on this list tie for us, coming in at 45 out of Detroit. Um, he was 47 for us at the end of the 2020 season, moved up a couple spots. And, um, you know, Riley Green's a, a ball player. And as you've talked about Detroit, a team on the rise, not a team on the fall. So this could all, you know, come together very well for him. It's just a matter of that acceleration to the big leagues. There's already talk of Spencer, Tor Spencer Torkelson breaking camp with Detroit next year. Why? I don't know, but that's just what's happening right now is that you can potentially expect a guy like Torkelson to be so valuable, even though he he's not dominating at his level, um, that he will break camp with Detroit. I don't think that's going to happen, um, but a guy like Riley Green could just continue to like climb right on up and we could see what, him. What I really him. like, I, I think we'll see both of them near the same time. Um, what I really like for Riley Green is that he's at the same level as Spencer Torkelson, right? He started above him at double A this year, and then Torkelson graduated after doing quite well at A. You know, Torkelson's not been bad at double, but he's definitely no. not been as good as Riley Green, right? So we'll get to that later. But Riley Green is is one of those guys that's very underappreciated, in my opinion. I think he's 
maybe the most underappreciated guy in our top 50. Yeah, it's entirely possible. Next gap, 44 is Nolan Jones. Uh, at AAA, it has not been the best season for Nolan Jones, uh, to say the least. 223 average, 763 OPS. Not too bad. 11 dingers in three, oh, 291 at bats. Sorry, I was looking at the uh, plate appearances. Um, so overall, not too bad. Uh, just under 10 stolen bases at the moment. Strikeout to walk ratio is two to one. But this is somebody who should be in Cleveland soon. And it might be that offseason trade you're talking about of uh, Ramirez to the Jays that helps open that door because <laughs> there should be opportunity next year for a guy like Nolan Jones with Cleveland. He'll be, I think he'll start next year at 22 um, and then turn 23 in season. I believe that's right. This, this has been a buy for me all year as people start to sour on him. Like there's just too much plate discipline in his background for him not to make this adjustment. Right. So I think a lot of guys with plate discipline develop a little bit later because they're getting burnt on better pitches instead of the ones that they are used to kind of nipping. So I think this is a guy that's going to have a bounce back season next year. I just think it's a confident buy for me at this point. Okay. And uh, next gap is Mike Brousseau. Oh, wait, sorry. I mean, Vidal Bruyon, but they're essentially the same player. Um, (laughs) Well, this is something that we talked about before, having a bit of concern over a guy like Bruyon, over Wander Franco, who we'll talk about later, simply because of the organization. Tampa Bay is not going to let you come up and suck. And Vidal Bruyon started hot in April and everybody was like, he should be promoted. He should be promoted. Tampa Bay doesn't listen to anybody but themselves. They know what they're doing. Um, And he finished off his triple A line at 289, 373, 484. For an OPS of 858, which is great. Love it. Good stuff. But a lot of that production was really early in the season. Nine dingers by the time he left after 256 at-bats. He, uh, as a pro in 26 at-bats, has not done a damn thing. Uh, decimal 77 average. Oh, sorry, 077 average. Uh, yeah, not not at all good. And Still producing a triple. I think he's just yeah, yeah. Bumped a little bit early, in my opinion. That, and, and that's the thing. I, he's one of however many guys who have come up this year and just not got it done. Um, yeah. That, to me, that's the end of it. Like, you know, let's let's all just back off and let this guy develop at a slower pace instead of trying to rush everybody up. And like, you know, Vidal Bruyne was getting inside top 10 lists and doing all sorts of things. And that wasn't where he belonged. And then when he had a hot April, everyone was like, oh, I'm making my adjustment because the wind blew. Um, and, you know, all of a sudden Vidal Bruyne's up higher on lists. And uh, yeah, that's that's the unfortunate part of the prospect landscape, right? Is that values can get skyrocketed. And I think at that point in time, you have to remember to treat those guys like an asset, not like a player. And you have to sell high on the asset. And when it's a guy like Vidal Brion, who maybe you don't believe in, maybe, maybe you do. And if you, if you do believe in him, then just be happy. You've got him. If you don't sell him. but another guy who was getting hyped crazily towards the end of spring training, and it affected our ranking. He jumped from one Oh eight all the way to 42 was Dalton Jeffries with Oakland. And the only reason, the only reason that this happened was all the talk was that Jeffries was going to be the SP five in Oakland. And it was like, he's, he's done really well in the spring. He's going to get his chance to come up um, the end. And then it didn't happen. And then this guy named uh, Irvin came up. And then this other dude named Caprillion came up. And then this rotation's full and there's no Dalton Jeffries. <laughs> so we're we're sitting here holding on to Jeffries at 42 saying, well, we'll wait it out. He's still young. And I think that's kind of where we are, Ty. 
Yeah, I totally agree. I think, you know, we talk about this all the time. Like anytime you're going to get actual production at the major league level, they need to be higher on the ranks. So that's why he's there. I still think he belongs there, to be honest with you. Like, I think he's going to be there at some point still in September. We've seen him already in July and August. So I think we're going to see him again uh, just to open camp next year. And, and I think it's going to be tough for him not to push for a job there. Uh, so I, I think inside the top 50 is where he belongs. I don't think that's a mistake on any on any of our part at that point. Yeah, I, th- I think the big thing for us was just that we were expecting the production, the MLB production mm-hmm. to be the boost. And the fact that it wasn't it, you know, it, if I was going to say that we have guys on this list who have a lot of work to do to earn that ranking because it is extended over the next five years at this moment in time, um, Bruyon has a lot of work to do. So does his compadre at 42 Jeffries. Now, next guy up here, um, Grayson Rodriguez with Baltimore, uh, whoo, baby that he was 44 with us before, um, Sorry, at the end of last season, before this season at 41. So he moved up. Uh, he certainly is poised for a big jump, not to mention all the guys that are going to graduate and be off this list. But I think it's safe to say that Grayson Rodriguez will be inside our top 10 when the season is over and possibly climb up from that point. He's done nothing but impress. And like as a pitcher, not just as a stat line that we watch for fantasy. Correct. Yeah, I agree. This is probably the most exciting arm for me in all of the minor leagues. I'm, I'm most excited for him above anyone else down there. So even I, Brett I definitely, Yes, for sure. Because he does not have steel plates and pins and everything throughout his entire arm. If you don't listen to Connor McGregor, you don't know what you're talking about, Ty, because having titanium and other things in your body actually makes you stronger. So. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not touching that one. Not, not in this okay. political climate. What? Okay. So anyway, next guy up is Dean Kramer uh, with Baltimore. He was up last year, similar to Dalton Jeffries, where we thought there, you know, there's a spot for him to go um, in Baltimore. But Ty, did you know Matt Harvey was still an MLB pitcher? You know, I didn't. Um, I I knew Jorge Lopez was. I knew. <laughs> I knew he was. It's got to be legitimate to say it, but yeah, like we thought Kramer was going to get starts through. Uh, like natural opportunity by lack of depth in the organization. And he's hot though. He just hasn't been very good, right? Like he's, he's gotten dumped on and you know, that's a major recoil. He, he kind of came out of nowhere. was very impressive and it wasn't the kind of impressive where you just come in and you, you know, like a Louis skill has done over the last couple weeks where you come in and just overpower, right? It's not that kind of impressive. It was like, he came out and he pitched. And so naturally you get excited, but I, I think, it could be something we, we will see Dean Kramer again, but at the same time, it's certainly alarming that he has done what he's done this season. The next guy on the list, though, Hunter Green, not that. Uh, Hunter Green has had a Maybe. beautiful season um, and is a guy that, you know, I think if if I think if Cincinnati was more realistic about making the playoffs, I think we would see Hunter Green this season. But I think as a result of them, I think in their in their stomach, they know they're missing out. Right. I think they just know that this isn't the season for them. Um, 1.98 ERA at double A, where he spent about half the season. The other half has yep. been at triple A. Uh, he's got nine starts there, 363 ERA, still quite good. He's just 21. Right. So that puts him, you know, almost over six years younger than his average peer at triple A. So this is a kid that throws absolute gas. Uh, the caper nines are, are up there in where we want to see our starter numbers 12 and 13. Uh, respectively. So, you know, that's a really important piece of the puzzle here. 
not a lot of bombs. The whip is is in control. So everything here says we're going to see Hunter Green next season, uh, assuming there's no lockout and assuming Cincinnati doesn't open up the wallet and sign a bunch of pitchers. Because if they don't, they need Hunter Green to, to be one of their five starters. Yeah, and Hunter Green has the physical makeup of the ideal pitcher. Tall, good, you know, good, like, body form. Um, yeah. He, five he just, to 30. It, do, it works. Yeah, just just looks awesome. Um, next gap on the list, 38 for us, is Oakland's Jesus, Jesus Lizardo. Sorry, was Oakland's Jesus Lizardo, now Miami. Uh, he started uh, – how many games this year? Now that he's in Miami, he's a starter. So – Three yeah. games at this moment in time that he, he started uh, six. He had started with Oakland. It's ugly. It's It's been ugly. The The thing that we thought was going to happen was going to be in that rotation, very much like Don Jeffries, and didn't happen. Now he's in Miami. They're giving him the ball. Uh, let's go. You know, let's go. Let's see some solid development from Lazardo as he continues uh, to develop. And I would just want to remind everybody who thinks Jesus Lazardo might be nobody from nowhere. Um, Sandy Alcantara was an absolute fireballer from the Cardinals when he was traded to Miami and people were like, yeah, you know, he just, he, he's not going to do what everybody thought he's going to do. Right. He's not going to be this like 12 K per nine guy. He's not going to be this dominant ace. Go and look at Sandy Alcantara right now. Imagine three years from now, that's Jesus Lizardo. I want it all. Yeah. It's a matter of, are the owners are the guys who have him in those dynasty leagues this off season, are they going to look at the stat line and look at whatever you're dangling and bite? And if they are take it, get Jesus Lazardo, especially if you know, he's going to be SP four SP five next year with Miami. Cause Miami's got lots of pitching, um, but Lazardo's already ahead of those guys. A lot of those guys. He's one of my favorite off season targets right now. I'm looking into him. Um, in a big way. Next on the list, uh, outfielder Brendan Davis in Chicago with the Cubbies. Uh, this is their top-rated prospect, I believe, at this moment. Uh, outfield prospect. Uh, this is a guy that everybody thinks is going to be great. I've said it many, many times. I do not trust Chicago to develop an outfielder. They haven't done it in a very, very long time. So I'm very cautious to be high on Brendan Davis. And I'd love to be wrong here. I'd love to see a, a kid perform. But I'm I'm going to go off of history here, and I'm I'm staying away. Um, Robbie, I know you're a little higher on him. I know the industry as a whole is higher on Brandon Davis, and that's fine. Um, but where are you at with Brandon Davis? I mean, I'm going to wait until we see the season end and see where exactly where Brandon Davis's line finishes, and then I'm going to go back and do some of the things you had mentioned with some of the other guys. Look at the uh, age that he was playing against. You know, younger or older for his for his age because he was drafted out of high school. Um, it it does appear, though, uh, as if the Cubs are not at all going to rush him because everyone else that they've been acquiring is roughly 14 years old. So <laughs> the push is not on getting guys to their big league club to improve like it was with Nico Horner, you know, get them over over the hump into the playoffs. It's now going to be about uh, the Cleveland method of, you know, that those coin machines where you put the money in and then it like slowly gets to the edge, but it doesn't push over. And then every so often you get a little dump of dudes over. That's pretty much what I'm I'm envisioning happening. Um, we're going to need to see a few guys move, and he, Brandon Davis w- could be part of that. But the Cubbies are also, you know, finding guys with Pat, like Patrick Wisdom, um, Frank Schwindel. I think is one of the other guys that they've got. They're just getting dudes who are kind of somewhat rookie eligible, or at least controllable, 
and they're playing them. Now, if they're going to turn them into assets this offseason and sign veteran free agents, I don't know. I don't think so. I feel like they're just going to roll over to next year with these guys um, or try to offer them deals and then see what happens because the Cubs... They're going with a warm body approach, right? Yeah, yeah. The Cubs don't seem like they're trying to win. So that's, you know, that's going to hurt a guy like Brendan Davis who's going to have to be, what, like the best outfield prospect and get called up by the Cubs when they have something else to offer him so that he doesn't have to go in like bat seventh or eighth on a team that has no power in front. Cause that's mm-hmm. not, you know, that's not going to work out well. Next guy up O'Neill Cruz 36 with Pittsburgh. Um, he was 14 last October and then did not have himself the best off season. Don't remember exactly what the deal was. I know it was something about like uh, a, a car accident that somebody died and there was, there were issues and injuries with him. So it was, has... it was sounded like a drunk driver coming the opposite way without their lights on as well. Okay. I believe it happened. Okay. So yeah, so there was the injury and he's been limited this year to 43 games. Um, and you know, the numbers are fine. 887 OPS, 289 average. Uh, he is a 22 year old at double a however, and this is somebody who we thought could get up this year. And because of that, when we made that adjustment with the injuries and things, um, 36 looks like probably a safe spot when we finish off the season. That's about where he's going to be for me. Um, Pittsburgh again, further clearing out that system. So there shouldn't be outside of next April, May, when there will be all of those um, Philip Evans type guys, um, the rule five dudes, everybody else, um, uh, what is it? Hoy Park, um, who's now on Pittsburgh. All those guys will get their opportunity. And then it could very well be time for guys like O'Neill Cruz. So next up, Tyler Freeman in Cleveland, second base prospect. One of the good ones they have in their system. I believe I saw this week that he had season-ending surgery. Does that ring a bell for you, Robbie? I uh, have not seen that. Um, I've yeah. sworn I saw that he got shut down. I, I'll, I'll okay. do a little thing. Why don't you tell everybody what we're expecting from Tyler Freeman? I don't think that impacts his long-term value because this is a kid on the rise. This is a, it's a real deal prospect for Cleveland. Yeah, I mean, he was 36 with us at the end of last year, 35 to start this year. But the reason that there wasn't much movement is the age and the organization. Cleveland's going to go slow with them. Uh, Cleveland's going to need to clear out some dudes. And this is this is a ball player all over the field. Like, he'll be able to spray the ball. Um, should be able to move around the bases very well. You know, I, I we've talked about Nick Magical before and how he's not a great base runner. But again, that's something that I think Cleveland can be working on if they feel like that's something Freeman's not doing. So I can see Freeman as your five-category guy, as your eight-category guy, if you want, depending on your format. He's going to be there. He's going to be over 3.25 points per game for you as well. So if you're, depending on the league size, right? I know if you talk 20 team and over for points league, you need a player who's going to be at least at three points per game on your offensive side to be able to help you keep pace. And that allows you to have pitchers win you weeks. Um, if you are in a bigger league, a guy like Tyler Freeman to me becomes even more valuable because he's going to be able to contribute in multiple areas. Yeah. Shoulder season on the left, uh, sh- soldier, sh- Jesus. Oh yeah. Shoulder surgery on the left shoulder. <laughs> uh, he is done for the year. By he the right seashore. Right. Yeah. <laughs> he hits right, throws right. So this isn't a hugely impactful surgery. Shouldn't impact his value moving forward. Uh, next guy on the list is a guy we love to hate, Mackenzie Gore. Uh, a, a very high-rated prospect entering the season on almost every list. Yeah, and I, I know no one believed me when I said this about Mackenzie Gore years ago. I'm like, this guy's not as good as you think. He's just not. And then here we are. Like Mackenzie Gore has enough to be a major league pitcher, in my opinion. He does not have enough to be elite. 
It's just not there. And so we're starting to see some of that at the higher levels. And, you know, just is what it is. So, like, I think where we had them, 34, most people would have been, you know, making fun of us. They would have said, you guys are idiots. Well, that was very much like Wander Franco. We got a lot of negative feedback two years ago when when we were rating Franco way back. And then last year, the same thing. And and headed into this year, I think everybody just stopped because they're like, okay, like they obviously are not aware of normal things in life. But just because a whole bunch of people think somebody when they're 18 and 19 is a dominant pitcher for their age, for their level, it doesn't mean that it's going to just incrementally go up and they're going to continue to improve. And neither of us, Ty, were excited about Mackenzie Gore. And one of the leagues that I'm in, I took over a team two years ago. The guy traded his entire draft class. So all five of his rookie rounds and whatever else it was he had, he emptied his tank to get Mackenzie Gore thinking he was a game-changing pitcher. And uh, I touched base randomly with this guy in the offseason. I was like, why did you do that? And he's like, oh, man, Gore's going to be so good. And he has a fantasy baseball podcast. I don't recall the name. I remember telling him I'd go on and then never heard back from him. So uh, that's fine. But um, it was just one of those indications where I'm like, this is why you have to you have to balance everything you do with like proximity to MLB to get you the opportunity and then the high the high ceiling guys. But Mackenzie Gore was just too valuable from the moment he was drafted and started playing to be able to be to me an affordable dynasty guy. So that was the only league I had him in. I still have him. I've offered pretty good value uh, in trade return, like Joe Adele for Gore straight up. And that was rejected this year and other deals of that sort. So Mackenzie Gore's stock is just falling and falling. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. And and it's a perfect segue into the next guy. Uh, who is Jason Dominguez, who is everybody's favorite prospect. Uh, you know, there's lots to like the, from a physical toolbox here. Like there's a lot here with Jason Dominguez. The fact that he's a lefty on track to play at Yankee Stadium is also alluring. In, I, in my opinion, people are lost in that, right? We're talking about a guy that, although in a very small sample size at a ball and rookie ball, is hitting just 236 with an OPS of 674. For a guy that's supposed to be locked and loaded with power, for days. It's just, it's not there. I don't think it's going to be there. The strikeout numbers are, are alarming 38 in 106 at bats. Like at that level is very concerning. Now there's a bit of a learning curve. doesn't matter who you are at pro ball and some have better exposure to pro level players. Uh, It's fair to say Jason Dominguez has less of that. So we can give him a bit of a grain of salt to move through it. But I will say for me, I'm very, very concerned with the long-term value of Jason Dominguez. I just don't think the swing plays at the major league level. He's still 18, lots of time to fix that. But that's people just assume, oh, you just make a swing change. It's easy. It's, right. It doesn't work like that. It's not that simple. And uh, I, I do have very strong concerns about this swing. Well, and I think originally he got on. So again, we use a five-year MLB production um, timeline for this. So a guy like Jason Dominguez being on the list is an accomplishment in itself. Mm-hmm. But the other thing that we also consider in this, uh, one of those vanity metrics that Ty talks about, but we've kind of put that to bed for a while, Ty, we should make sure we're getting back into that, um, is also what's his trade value, right? That's something that's important too. And right now that's all Jason Dominguez has, because I don't think we're going to see him before 2024, based on what we're seeing now, right? This isn't like the ascension where he's dominating at his level. Like you just well, described, there are issues, there are things he's got to work on. And the Yankees, I'm sure, are not in a rush to get him up. It won't be until he needs to be on their 40-man that there'll be a true pinch as to what he actually is within that organization. Um, 
but but yeah, we'll we'll see. Next guy up here, Spencer so, Howard. Hold oh, on. I, have, I just want yeah. you to share this. I have a very simple rule with Yankees prospects. If you know about them, trade them. <laughs> because they hype their prospects more than any other franchise in the league to sell them. Like, remember Esteban Florial? Remember how much press he was getting three years ago? There's a ton of it. And where's Esteban Florial? They were trying to move him, right? That was that was the game. I think we're on a similar track here. So that's all I wanted to say. Yeah, no, that's fair. And and Aaron Judge was another example of a guy who, like, on the side to think positively of Jason Dominguez, a, a guy who seemed to have uh, some issues came up even to the MLB level and just did not do well. But it was something where he got to a level, struck, was promoted from the previous level, uh, struggled, went to the, you know, got his, got himself together, then got promoted to the next level, struggled, made the adjustments, continued to go. Now, Jason Dominguez, too young to um, be able to have overcome that, will have to see what's up next year. But again, just cautious in dynasty leagues as far as acquiring a guy like this who could still be three full seasons away after this year. That's a lot of baseball that you've got to let him play before you get anything out of him. And it's not always a great idea to um, get the highest ranked, highest rated guys like this out of J2 classes. Sometimes you can do the work and see who's been given other big bonuses or look at who who's going to be a good defensive player and then see if they're able to defend um, to progress offensively. Sometimes that's a better route when you're going with those young guys. Now, in five years, Jason Dominguez could already have a rookie of the year under his belt. And we'll be saying, good, good for him. He made those adjustments. But in the meantime, there are a lot of other guys that you can have and get work done at the MLB level, helping you win. Then Jason Dominguez can be on somebody else's roster. So uh, an example of a guy who's up now and ready to roll is Spencer Howard, formerly of the Phillies, now with Texas. Um, he has just been rolling in two crappy starts with Texas since he's been there. Um but whatever, he's going to have to roll through this year, get get himself right into the offseason, and we'll see what happens. Now, he had a really fun, exciting uh, six-game stretch in 2020 where he got up and it was fun and, you know, he just wasn't doing the getting the Ks and doing everything we wanted to. And then this year, um, it, it's just not looking great. So he's going to definitely be on that slow development track. Now, we had him at 34 at the end of last year. With that cup of coffee, he only bumped up two spots to 32. Uh, you can thank Ty for getting everybody to hold back on that. Cause I think Spencer Howard has the ability to unlock dominant performances, but he certainly needs to be coached up. Yeah. I mean, the fastball is the pitch and, and I just don't think it's good enough. I, I'll be honest. Like, I don't think there's enough movement. I don't think there's enough deception. Uh, I'll be concerned with that pitch until he proves me wrong. Um, so that's why I, I've been out on him. I'll stay out on him. I, I don't know. There's only one thing that happens with me and Spencer Howard. Or two things. I'm either right or I'm wrong. And that means everyone else could potentially be be right. But, you know, I, I don't see this the ace that everyone else wants to see. Um, next on the list, House on Kim. Uh, keeps getting this, like, hint of, like, hey, you're a starter. No, Tatis yeah. is back. You're a starter. No, Tatis is back. Right? And Well, you know, now Tatis is going to go play center field. <laughs> two bombs today. Right? Yeah. Like, the one thing I've learned about as a Tatis owner myself is, Whenever Tatis comes back to the lineup, it is a must start. What like I have Corey Seager on this on my on our home league team and Tatis, and it was an absolute no brainer to put Seager on my bench and put Tatis in. Didn't even think twice, and I was. What's well, funny, type because the Nationals, the Nationals in, in choosing between Turner and Seager are like, oh yeah, Trey Turner all the way. So uh, Corey Seager getting passed over in fantasy by you and in real MLB by the Dodgers. But uh, anyway, Hassan Kim. So this was somebody who was ranked. Really high headed into the offseason because he hadn't signed. Um, thanks to me, he was as high as 
third on our list. Now he's at 31. And it's not now. This was in April before we got rolling on the season. Um, Hassam King was pushed back. And there were several really good reasons. Uh, he he made a bad choice. I think that's obvious to yes. us. I don't know if it is yet to him. He went to, he did the Otani, I want to play with some of the best players thing. But instead he went to the team that already had one of the best players at his position. So it yeah. was always going to move to second. And then it's like, well, don't I forget about the French call that les stupides. <laughs> les incompetents. Um, yeah, they, they, he, he or his team or whomever, somebody that was in his ear was like, this is the place to go. This is the place to go. But like first base had Hosmer, third base Machado, shortstop Tatis, second base Cronenworth. And he's like, hey, guys, I'm going to be your infielder. And, you know, everyone's looking like, what's going on? But, but San Diego opened him or welcomed him with open arms. And then all he's done is just like, you know, a pedestrian 217 at bats this year. You're like, none of it, none of this line is good. Five stolen bases, uh, over a three to one strikeout to walk rate, batting average 207, uh, slugging 350, OPS 624. It all sucks. All of it, all of it sucks. Six dingers. Um, but this is very possibly, very possibly a case where this offseason, San Diego will do something, whatever it is, to create playing time for Kim whether that's trade him elsewhere, but they'd have to eat a bunch of that contract, I'm sure, which 20 million bucks for four years of Kim doesn't sound great right now. Um, or they're going to allow him to play somewhere else until maybe CJ Abrams is the guy who's ready to come up at shortstop. I don't know, but they need to do something because Hassam Kim is a lot better of a baseball player than he has been as a San Diego Padre. And mm -hmm. I don't want to give up on him. Uh, I, I think they're there was such a recoil after spring training that people really started to, you know, feel bad, feel like, Oh, this isn't going to work out for him. And I remember they talked about, uh, he refused or not refused, but chose not to sign with Toronto, who knows whatever the offer was, but it had something to do with him not wanting to be able to be sent to the minor leagues and San Diego gave him that opportunity. Um, they, you know, gave him a legitimate MLB contract. He can't get sent down all that kind of crap. Um, but, as you had talked about, Ty, it may have been the thing that would have been best for him to help him to adjust to this different type of baseball. The results so far prove exactly what I was concerned with. Like up and in is is a struggles struggle bus for him. Up and away, like really down and down, like down the middle are the only two spots that he's really being productive. Which is what I said in the off season when we looked at Hustle and Kim's swing. Like I I was very concerned about the way Major League Baseball is pitching right now that it was the worst time for this kid to be a pro, right? Like if it, if it was 10 years ago, I, I would have a different take on how some kid because they were pitching down in the zone, splitters and sliders and all that stuff was still effective, which is what you see a lot in Asia, right? It's very mm -hmm. common for the pitching repertoire. It's not in the U S game. So it, it's a, it's the wrong league for him. There is some sense of talent here, but unless he makes an adjustment, he's going to go the way of the back half of Chris Davis's career. Okay. Ooh. Which one? The, the one that just retired. The one that just retired instead of the one that should also should be retired. retired. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, from 30 to 21, Ty, let's, we'll, we'll kind of speed through this one. So how about this? Instead of doing the deep dive on these guys, because we will be able to do this in the off season. I will tell you the player name, which obviously you can see now, and you can tell me where they're ranked now. And if you think it'll be higher or lower, does that sound yeah. good? Okay. Yeah. So we've got jazz Chisholm with Miami at 30. 
Um, he will not be a prospect at the end of yeah. this year. He has exceeded that. But would you say he would be going up if he could, or he would be going down? I think he's up, right? I mean, health is the only thing that stopped him from being a breakout superstar this season, right? Everything yeah. else that we've seen is is justifying that. Yeah, he, he's cooled off a little bit since he's been back, caught stealing seven times um, at this moment with 11 steals to his credit. But we all saw the hot start. We saw the potential. Marco yeah. Luciano with San Francisco. Uh, he is ranked 29th in the preseason. We had ranked him 33. What do you think, Luciano? It has to go up. This is a must yeah. go up. This is one of the best prospects in all of baseball. And getting, yeah, getting better and earning it. Um, 28, we have Lewin Diaz with Miami, first baseman. Uh, he has not done what we thought he was going to do. Um, <laughs> but we can also blame veteran Miami uh, players yeah. for having successful years. He- Jesus Aguilar as well had a really good stretch this year. And that hurts playing time for Luan Diaz. Uh, there are other Miami guys who in the outfield have been able to get that time and, um, you know, play through struggles and things like that. Not Luan Diaz. So Diaz, would he be going up or down your list? I think based on graduation, he's probably going to stay somewhere the same. Right. Okay. But I think that in essentially that's going down, but yeah. 16 home runs in AAA, 867 OBS. So not awful, um, but still room for improvement. Yeah. And doing it at AAA is one thing coming up to the show and like so many others, right. Coming up to the show right. and struggling hurts. Uh, Spencer Torkelson. I think we were already the furthest back on him. Mm-hmm. Um, considering some people thought he would have been up playing right now for some reason with Detroit, but uh, we had him 27th. Again, this is over the next five years of what we assume will be MLB production. So we ranked him as the 27th best prospect in all of baseball. And he was drafted last year. So Ty, is he going to be moving way up or a little bit up? Cause we know he's not going back. I I don't know how far I'm going to move him up because it's, I need to really go through it. But I will say this, that I am going to rank Riley Green ahead of Spencer Torkelson going into this. Mm. So that that I will do. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's the reality. What I don't like with Torkelson is that he didn't get an aggressive assignment and the power numbers weren't were like overwhelming, right? Okay. Like that's his calling card and we didn't see it this year. You can chalk it up to whatever you want, but a transition from a, an aluminum to a wood bat is not easy. And we saw a little bit of a chink in the prospect armor in my opinion all right jeter downs at 26 with boston um still going to be rookie eligible for next year where do you uh, he's going up do you think he is inside the top 10 that's a tough one yeah Uh, i i don't think so like the numbers this year have been very disappointing um and and i think shy of boston giving him a swift kick in the butt by promoting him in september which i do think is possible I do think it makes sense for uh, him to be in that lineup in September to see if he can keep up because okay. the drop, the drop in batting average is very, very, very concerning. Uh, and so very much know. like JJ Blade. He, yeah, he very easily <laughs> could be going down on my list, but I want to see how he finishes the season. Guys like this that are, are major league prospects tend to get hot this time of year, right? They kind of figured out towards the end. So Something to watch for is he could be one of those guys. He's still just 22, so there's no reason to give up on him. Yeah, yeah. This isn't a 24-year-old who we all expected to be up this year, which we do have on prospect list. Um, Next man up here, Nick Lodolo at 25 with Cincinnati. Is this a top 10 prospect for you? Yes, absolutely. This is is another one of those exciting items for me. And in, in the day and age that we are now in where everyone is suppressing 
pitchers uh, in general, prospect pitching as well, all those things. Uh, Nick Lodolo, hands down top five starting prospect. Um, yeah. Starting pitcher again, prospect. Key for nines there, the whips there. Everything you want to see from a starter to get like length and outings are there with, with Nick Lodolo. This is a guy that you want to own. Yeah, Brendan McKay's next guy up 24 in the offseason. He was ranked 27 for us, so a little bit of a bump up. Um, what do you see with Brendan McKay? Is he going to stick around this area? Do you think he's moving up? I think a couple things happened here. Like, obviously, the injuries are concerning. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's pretty much washed the entire season for him. Um, but I think at the end of the day, this is a scenario. Uh, like, just he has pitched this year, not much, just returned 9.2 innings. Um, mm-hmm. Not good. 10 earned runs in 9.2 innings. Yep. He's taking a page out of the Josh Fleming textbook. Um, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> yeah, Easy. I had to go, to go there. But <laughs> but I think the, the other thing that's happened here with Brendan McKay, and this is going to impact, impact his prospect stock, is that Tampa brought in a whole bunch of guys in his age bracket, right? Like in that bullpen, and they brought in Patino, and I just think they filled the spot that was going to be McKay. So – He's going to like need to light the world on fire in order to change that position, which is his job, and he's he is capable of that. There is some talent here, so I just we need to see it. And and I think no chance this year. I don't think a chance out of camp, but I do think June next year we could see McKay. Okay, so Jordan Groshans with. Down. Sorry, I have to move him down. Sorry. Oh, oh, he's going down. Oh, okay, I was going to say for I me, he's so. sticking right around where he is now. Um, Jordan Groshans, is he starting next year? Uh, top 10 guy for you? Yeah, I, I think this is going to be one of the high uh, position players for me. I, I'm just a very, very big believer in this swing. The The thing we haven't seen yet is the power, right? The power that we think is going to be there hasn't really shown itself. Like just 12 professional home runs, right? So that's not, you know, something to, to jump off the page. But I think that's, that's not the, what you want from your third baseman. Yeah, but I think that's the reason the the industry as a whole is down on this kid. Um, but he's got good bat to ball skills, and I think the power will come. He's still very young; he's just twenty one. Uh, he missed a year of development, right? And I think this is a kid that has all of the right tools. And as the body comes around, six three two oh five right now, probably a major leader at six three two twenty two twenty five. Is he and about to? To have a birthday tag, I haven't written in as a 22 year old for this year. He is 21. November 10th is his birthday. So, oh, okay. I'm uh, gonna make that. Sorry, two days, that, after, that's mine. Two days oh. after mine. If you want to write that down, just so you everybody, don't everybody at uh, Tourney yeah. Boss, remember that on what day did you say? November. November 8th. November 8th is shower. Is shower me with your love. <laughs> Ooh, I I was told of a another podcast that somebody um uh, let me know of where they. Have I don't know exactly what it is, like you know, a Venmo or something, where you can go to their website and um, put money towards their beer fund. And on the the guy said to me something about it was like the perfect beer for you guys because it was beer aged in bourbon barrels. And I was like, oh. And it, the best part is that he said it was a murder podcast. So I was like, whoa. Oh man. I mean, look where I am. Um, so that would be something. Maybe we can try to figure that out so people can do that for us. Anyway, next guy up, DL Hall with Baltimore. What are you feeling on DL Hall? Ranked 22 for us now. He was 18 at the end of 2020. We moved him back a little bit. Yeah, I mean, if you look closely, like the progression for DL Hall is there. I mean, we, we've seen 31 innings this year at AA, 3.13. K for nine is 15.9. That's huge. This guy just, for me, doesn't pass the eye test, right? Very similar to what 
tip me off on Spencer Howard. Like when I watch DL Hall closely, I don't see elite stuff. And I think that's the way he's being presented as a prospect. He he's a lefty, right? So he's gonna get a shot. Like that's that's a foregone conclusion. Right. So he doesn't lose long-term value. I think he just he will never he has a ceiling for me that he'll never break through it. At least I don't I don't believe he will. So could change, right? The velocity could jump up as he gets higher, but I the velocity is the big concern because it, it impacts the sharpness of the other stuff. All right. Tariq Skubal was our 21st ranked prospect. He was rookie eligible to start this year. Um, so, so everyone's aware. So he was 31 at the end of last, last year, we looked at playing time opportunity and stuff and he got the bump, but outside our top 20, um, Ty, what do you think about him long-term this year? It hasn't been too bad. Eight and 10 record doesn't sound great, but a four ten ERA with improvement on it. Um, uh, for all those guys playing in war leagues out there, 1.5 <laughs> war for you. Well, I mean, this is, there's two parts to this. Like he's done all of that at the major league level, which is impressive. Um, and, and definitely puts him in a different tier when we're talking about these guys in this list. But, you know, for me, uh, this is a guy I was wrong on. I, I really thought the repertoire was going to struggle at the major league level. Uh, it's done quite well. And I think he's shown signs of improvement in the couple starts that I've watched. Um, we've seen some control get better. Still has that rookie tendency to fly off the handle every couple of starts, right? Like mm-hmm. Logan Gilbert did that today against Toronto. Uh, you're going to have that with young kids. It's just a reality. I like him long-term, but I like him as an SP3. Like, I think he's just going to be in the middle of that rotation. And I think the only thing with Scooble right now is that people have shot his value through the roof because he's outperformed early predictions. And, and that for me, like I have to move him up because I had a low, but I think the rest of the industry should be moving him backwards just a little bit because I think the ceiling just isn't as high as they once thought it was. Okay. So as we transition into the top 20 here, um, so Scoobles off, off the prospect list for next year for our end of season as well. Who do you think, or sorry, where do you think Scooble would fit in your pitcher rankings? If you can kind of think about that, because if you're saying he's an SP three, does that put him somewhere in the 60th best range, 60 to 80 for you? I would, I, would have a mid, I would have a mid to back of my SP3s. So I'd okay. probably have them 70-ish, 75 maybe. Yeah, and just so everyone knows, when we talk about an SP1, that would be from your first ranked pitcher to your 30th uh, because that's the most logical way for us to kind of describe things as you would in a major league sense, right? If they're an SP1, that means they're the ace, quote-unquote, of their team. So you could have up to 30 of those guys. But we all know in fantasy there are not 30 aces that you can you know put out there for 25 plus starts a year. It comes up and down. But when you get into guys like SP2, SP3, just gives you an idea of where we think their value could be. And as Ty said, the back end of SP3, I think that's fair for Scooble. So next guy up, Ty, top 20. We're hitting tw- number 20 now is former first overall pick Casey Mize uh, with Detroit Learning. Uh, the K rate is not there at all. Uh, but from a pitcher standpoint, he seems to be able to get outs. What are your thoughts on Casey Mize and how he's done? So I've talked over, I talked about Casey Mize several times over the last week. Uh, he was almost traded in our home league, and then he was traded in our home league. And I talked oh, that's to interesting. Both, both owners <laughs> that, that were involved about Casey Mize, and I said the same thing to both of them. If you take a look at the pitch distribution for Casey Mize, it is absolutely elite, right? The, the pitch tunneling that would have to come with that distribution 
is is very very good. He's still getting too much of the plate. He's going to refine that. But the distribution tells me that the pitches are coming out of the same spot, and there's just some refinement that has to happen. So the stuff's there, the velocity's there, the sharpness in his pitches is there. So the thing that that really got me excited when I dove deeper into Casey Mize was how ineffective his best pitch is. So his splitter is is his best pitch, but he hasn't been using it as much and he hasn't been getting as many people out with it. So I think that's going to be the big jump forward is that that splitter is going to unlock Casey Mize moving forward. Okay. There you go, everybody. That's a little bit of good news. So Casey Mize, um, I guess that would put him as an SP2 for you. Well, and he's bordering on team post hype right now, right? Because I think a lot of people are like, oh, he was the number one overall guy. He hasn't done enough, right? So, like, I think he's he's starting to infringe on that bus territory in a lot of people's mind, which is totally unjust and unwarranted because, like you said, he's still getting people out. Yeah. And and he's not he's not on a team that is bottoming out, as we've talked about on previous episodes. Detroit, I think, Ty, you had said they've had a winning record three straight months um, as, a, as a team. And... Uh, this is part of it. You know, you get a guy like Casey Mize and, and an important part of pitching sometimes is the ground ball is the weak contact. It doesn't look good for fantasy, but it also can end an inning, get rid of a threat, you know, double play ball, things like that. Um, but sometimes you need a really crappy guy to come up to the plate. Like our number 19 prospect, Leody Tavares uh, with Texas. Now Leody had, Oh, I don't even know what level of hype we want to say he had coming into this season. He had just about lost his rookie eligibility last year. Uh, what was he at 119 at bats for at the end of last year? Excuse me. So he just snuck in for us this year and he sucked. Oh my God. He sucked <laughs> in 46 at bats, only four hits. Uh, you don't need to know about anything else, but he had two stolen bases. So four hits and two stolen bases. That's, that's good. Um, but the fact that you had to, you know, have so many at bats in order to get to that point, just terrible. And then at triple a for him, uh, it hasn't been out of the ordinary for him. 247, uh, 80, 817, sorry, OPS is his career best across any level um, at AAA. So I don't think Leody Tavares should be forgotten, but Leody Tavares is not going to be rookie eligible anywhere next year. Uh, that tends to mean people just walk away, right? He he can't be you know, thrown in your minors. He sucked when he had his chance this year. Uh, so that tends to put guys in Ty's team post hype category. I'm curious, Ty, do you think Tavares is potentially one of those guys for you that could come up next year and be effective? Or do you think this might be a tough situation where a lot of things need to work out in order for Tavares to give fantasy owners reason to get him if they don't already? 16 home runs is intriguing. Yeah, uh, I'll say that. Like that's that's a, a new wrinkle for him. Uh, what is is very concerning for me is just the major league production. Like he was so overmatched. Like he wasn't kind of overmatched. He was like Jared Kalenic overmatched. Uh, yeah, it was bad. It was bad. And, you know, the only the only thing that I like about Tavares in terms of long-term value is that he is a very good defender. So when push comes to shove, if there is playing time avail- available, and we've seen this in Toronto with Jonathan Davis. Like Jonathan Davis had zero business being on the Toronto Blue Jays roster over the last 18 months. It's just he's not that good at baseball, right, to be taking up a roster spot. But played great defense, stole some bases, and that kept him there, right? And, and now we're seeing with Brave Valera, Leo Tavares is that kind of guy. So that's where, where he might shine, like in a very deep format. He's great bench depth, 
right? Because he's going to all in all likelihood find his way onto a 25 man roster, uh, whether it's in Texas or not. This could be a kind of guy. I, I will say this very similar to like Victor Robles. I said this a couple weeks ago. I would like to see a change of scenery here. Okay. That would be the best thing that could happen to Tavares in my mind. Um, so that's I'm, I'm definitely moving him down without a doubt. I've exited all my shares. Yeah, I, I feel like he's certainly outside the top 75 um, for outfielders, which means in a Roto 15-team league, you do not need him on your team. He is a waiver wire guy in those kind of leagues. Uh, however, if you are in one of those rare leagues where you can have a person who is playing at the minor league level in your minors, so they don't have to be a prospect, they could be just a veteran who's in the minors. That's where you might be able to get a guy like Tavares pretty cheap this off season. And I am in one of those, well, two of those leagues, but the one I'm thinking of specifically, um, I think it's six by six. I don't know. I, I, I've just been doing so poorly in it that I, I can't even remember our categories at the moment. Um, but he's one of those off season targets for me, just because there seems to be something there. It's just a matter of like, you know, can I afford to have him? And on a team right now where I've got a lot of transitional guys, I can afford to have a guy like that. Now, Aldolis Garcia is the guy who came up and took a job away from the Otis Ferris and ran with it. Uh, Joey Gallo is now gone. There'll be a reset in Texas this offseason. We will see what happens. And to Ty's point, it could mean Tavares goes in a deal. Um, it could also mean that Tavares has the table cleared for him to start next year. But I don't know that that's going to happen. Texas was signing Wiley veterans again this offseason. So unless there's a management change, it could be a tough slog for him. Um, next man up, 18th overall prospect Fadingas. Uh, he was 16 at the end of last season and moved back, which was a little surprising. And I'm going to blame that on you, Ty. Uh, yes. Debbie, Debbie Garcia, who I think it's been two starts he had this year. Very poor. Um, but more importantly, the ERA stands out as being terrible for him at AAA this year. Everything else isn't terrible. It's just not dominant. And well, I don't know if New York has skipped him and like Louis Gill started because Garrett Cole had COVID two weeks ago. And that's why it wasn't their choice that they had like anyone to pick from. Um, but Debbie Garcia was not chosen just so we're aware. And um, they've also been going with like Nestor Cortez and other guys. And it seems like they need Garcia to be making an improvement that they didn't think he needed to make last year when they were given well, an opportunity. I mean, listen, we both watched Debbie Garcia closely last year when he was pitching against Toronto in the simple, weird, short calendar season. Mm -hmm. uh, he looked good. He looked quite good. Like a, uh, a regular every fifth day guy that they like that the Yankees would be silly to not roll out this year. But then they didn't. Well, I mean, the numbers are, are terrifying. I'll be honest. Like, AAA, like, seven, 16 starts, uh, 7.25 ERA is not going to get it done. It's And uh, you know what, Ty? It's gotten uh, 0.6 worse, uh, I think, since August. So he hasn't yeah. been better. He has been worse. Well, exactly. And, and I mean, if I'm, if I'm Debbie Garcia, like, I'm taking a page out of the Cortez book. I'm growing a dirty duster, and I'm finding my way <laughs> onto the bearded, beardless Yankees. Um, and, and that's what he needs to do. But I, I will say this, like in watching him last year, I like the off-speed stuff, but I, I really like how it profiles out of the bullpen. And I, and I think that's where he's going to end up. I think he's going to be a very, very good, like Chad Green, seventh inning type guy hmm. to just come out and get people out in that, that back end of the, the lineup before it flips over. I think that's his destiny. I think he's going to be quite good at it. But That's I, I interesting. I don't think he's a major league starter anymore. And for that reason, 
I'm going way back on Davey, Davey Garcia. Okay. And it, it, it I, I don't know exactly where he is for total innings count. Um, I don't know if he will, if he doesn't pitch in the bigs this year, if he's under 50 at this moment. Uh, but I've already got the next guy queued up, so I'm not going back. So he's uh, at 32. 30, 32? Or 42. For 42. Okay. So that's tight. But if he does end up as a prospect going into next year, I think he'll end up going down a little bit for me. Uh, but that has a lot more to do with that uh, intangible of trade value, right? Debbie Garcia's trade value is hurt at the moment. So you don't want to necessarily value him too high. Now, sometimes I throw that out the window. And I mean, you'll see with some of our other guys who are ranked higher and in previous years as well. When we had guys who people said like, who in the heck is this guy? Like, why do you have Patrick Sandoval on your list? Um, and all I have to say is sometimes you just need to wait it out. As a dynasty owner, the worst thing you can do is burn a guy like Leo Ferris does not come out hot and he's out. Jared Kelnick does not come out hot and he's out. Um, Debbie Garcia might be the same thing, right? It looks like it's not going the right way right now, but sometimes patience pays off. Now, the next one, um, absolute flop. Absolute flop. Number yeah. 17, Wander Franco was our 17th ranked prospect heading into this year, 22nd at the end of last season. Why was he so far back? Well, because we didn't think he was going to get a lot of time this year. And it, so far, we're okay. Like I think, I think we're within our realm here. Um, right now, where are we here? He is at 160 at bats. Uh, we see, let's see, five dingers, three triples, two doubles, and then a bunch of singles with them. Two stolen bases. Strikeout to walk is a little over two to one, uh, but the average 238. The OBP, which is supposed to be that bread and butter for Franco, 300, and the OPS at 700. Ty, this is not the game changer. We were told he would be, and we were pumping the brakes on him a long time ago. And we were trying to remind everybody of what Vlad had been going through prior to this season and how hard it is to be a J2 guy who is promoted and told they're going to be great and all these things. And it can just, it can get to those guys. And that's thanks to Soto and Acuna, who were the previous J2 guys who came up and just rocked it. Um, Franco's going through that right now on a on a good team as well. And they cleared out Willie Adames. They they like got to the point where they could give him short stop. Uh, they could make him that guy. And he's um, you know, Mike Brousseau in it. Yeah. For <laughs> the second mention of Brousseau this episode. <laughs> <laughs> the beginning of the water Franco hype train. Like for me, this is a guy that's a major leaguer. He's a good major leaguer. But I think he's more of a Carlos Correa versus a Fernando Tatis Jr., right? And I think a lot of people have have tagged him as that super elite guy instead of just like slightly above average guy, which is what we see with Correa, right? So, like, I think he's going to play good defense. I think he's going to give you versatility with the, the switch hitting ability. Like, he's going to give you enough to be a valuable shortstop in fantasy baseball. Is he going to be the best player in your team? He shouldn't be if you're going to win. I think that's where where I'm at with Franco. Okay. And Billy B was one who had asked before, um, you know, what our thoughts were on Franco. And, and I mean, we had, I had said to him, like, is it because like our ranking was good? Um, because we were not the ones who were saying, you know, get them on them, you know, do all these things for him. It was a lot more along the lines of, yeah, like shortstop is tough. Uh, you know, he's very young. This is, this is very much a Vlad trajectory, right? A 20 year old at the major league level who is holding his own. Is he dominating? No, not by a long shot but he's holding his own. So this off season, you know, nibble at the owner, 
hey, are you at all interested? You know, I've got this, that, and the other. See what's up. But I would still say you could probably wait till the end of next season, and then that might be the time to try to sort it out. Um, I think he's a better strikeout numbers version of Yamakata. Okay. Very More ball in play player. is what I expect. That's what I mean. Yeah, like, but, yeah. I, but I think a lot. there's still a lot of weak contact. That's the concern that I'm going to continue to have with him. Like the, the exit velo is, is not where I want it to be. He's hit some balls hard, but he's hit more, not hard. A lot of it with Franco was going to be, no matter how many categories you have, he's going to dominate in them. Right. Cause it was stolen bases. What it was it? Uh, 2018 stolen bases that he had in 19. Uh, and that, that was really exciting to go along with, you know, an 885 LPS and a 327 average. Well, this year, and this is not, not a slight uh, 315 average, at triple a but only five stolen bases and caught four times now when he had his 18 stolen base season he was also caught 14 times that is that is not going to get you a green light in mlb they are not going to give away outs in tampa bay for you to try to steal bases and he does have two stolen bases right now he's been caught once we're not going to get to extrapolate that for him to have 20 stolen bases and to have been caught 10 times i don't think t-bay is going to do that they don't seem like that type of team to me so if he is going to continue to get to steal or try to steal it's going to be very situational so so he doesn't have an exit velocity on any pitch type over 80 or over 90 so all are in the upper 88 or 89 range which again still 20 still time to figure some of that out but that is the thing that I'm watching very, very, very closely. Um, the splits as well is starting to show a little bit versus the lefties hitting 310 versus the righties hitting 208. Now, still small enough sample size that that could be just a weird outlier. But again, something that is very top of mind for me with Wander Franco. Beautiful. Next guy up here, 16, is Alex Kirloff with Minnesota first base outfielder, I think, depending on your format, exactly what's up with him. But this year, whatever you want to call him, (laughs) this year in 215 at bats, he has been doing it at the major league level. And by that, I just mean learning Uh, 11 doubles, one triple, eight dingers, 34 RBIs, uh, one stolen base. Strikeout to walk is north of three to one, which is not great. But the overall percentage, 52 strikeouts in 215 at bats is less than 25%. That's okay uh, for a guy learning at the level 250 average with a 722 OPS. Not lighting the world on fire. No rookies are. Uh, I think Alex Kirloff is just doing his thing. And unfortunately, Minnesota is not the highly competitive offensive juggernaut we thought they were going to be, but they are. Uh, clicking along and Kirloff is, is fine. Totally fine for me. Um, I don't know exactly where he'll end up. If he is legit first base for next year or legit outfield, like when we do our rankings, I don't know where I can say he will comfortably fit, but I certainly project him to be at this stat line. Um, that would be his floor to me. Is that, do you share that opinion? I, I'm, I don't know what to do with Kirloff. I'll be honest. I, I think I'm going to move him down. Because the power for me is just, I don't think it's there. Okay. Um, and so I'm i am very concerned with the power output there. Regardless of whether he's in a corner outfield spot or first base, that's a problem. So uh, I, I that's the thing I'm just not comfortable with. And frankly, Minnesota's not getting better anytime soon. Yeah, f- fair enough. Next guy up, 15, is Matt Libitor, former Tampa Bay 
uh, traded to St. Louis. I can't remember that deal. I can't remember who it was. Oh, right. Airs Arena. Uh, just kidding. I, I remembered. I remembered everybody. Um, but Matt Libitor, dirty, dirty curveball. And uh, next year for me, Ty, I think he's I think he's definitely top five SP for me. I don't know if he's top three prospect SP, um, but he's a top five prospect SP for me for next year. And I'm loving it. I, I think Matthew Libertor is going to come into St. Louis at the right time when there will be opportunity for him to come up and start. And, you know, hopefully there is no Alex Reyes injury thing that goes on. You know, that that's not a St. Louis thing at all, but I'm, I'm just hoping that he's able to come up and continue that development. Are you a Libertor believer or are you a Libertor denier? Um, I'm a believer, but I'm going to move him back. And that's because I think he just needs more time. And this is kind of something you tend to see consistently from the Cardinals organization. So it's not shocking. Uh, I think they're making some shifts and some changes to some of his stuff. I I think this guy has front end potential. Um, And and I think they're just trying to polish him up and not rush him. And I think frankly, put him in the next wave, not with the old stars they have now. Okay. Yeah. And, and I mean, we could find out this off season. I think, I think you had said it on one of the previous ones. If, if both like Molina and Wainwright ride off into the sunset together, then that might open the door for other opportunities. We've talked about Yvonne Hernandez. Um, there's also Kinzer catchers, catcher options. Everybody loves catchers. Everybody loves catchers. So um, I, I need to see the strikeout number shift 8.8 right now at AAA K per nine is not good enough. For he's young. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like I'm not. I'm, I'm a believer. I'm just. I'm. I'm recognizing that he absolutely, without a doubt, needs more time. So if we see him sooner than okay. later, that is a that is a time to get out. If he's up early, you think that's the time right. to sell him? You okay, because you think there'll be the struggles. So yep. there you go. If you see Libertor coming up um, too soon, which I guess for you would be next season. Does yes. That sound. Yeah. You should if not you see him next season. Okay, and for me, I'm. I'm thinking it's possible because he's already on the cusp to see him at some point mid season. And I would be happy with that personally, but we have the rest of this year and a whole off season uh, to be influenced ourselves as well as try to influence you. So now we are inside the top 15. Uh, we are hitting 14 for us. CJ Abrams. I know 14 for CJ Abrams. He's going to change baseball. Um, the problem with CJ Abrams is that uh, there are 18 shortstops ahead of him on the depth chart in San Diego. However, the best one is now going to be the center fielder, which was what people had said CJ Abrams was going to do was Abrams was going to have to leave shortstop in order to play. And that's how I felt. I thought there's no way CJ Abrams will be San Diego's shortstop. Well, po- like I got to say, it's possible now, Ty. Doesn't mm-hmm. mean it's going to happen, but it's possible. Um, Abrams for me is going to move up. He'll be inside my top 10. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to bank on that production in 2022, but I'm certainly thinking that 2023 beyond for that five-year window, we're going to get a lot of good quality CJ Abrams on a competitive San Diego team. He's, he's not moving up for me. There's not no way with the power profile. Oh, okay. Um, The concern for me is the lack of power, but also the lack of extra base hits, right? The OPS is just 782, but his on base percentage is 363, right? So that's a concerning slugging percentage at 420 uh, for a guy that's supposed to be, a star fantasy player. Like I, I just, I'm not seeing that star potential because the hit tool is, is there, but you know, the hit tool is there for Jose Iglesias. Right. So, mm-hmm. you know, like I, I think he profiles more as a Jose Iglesias than a Fernando Tatis Jr. Honestly. 
All right. So Jonathan India, next one up. I think Jonathan India is just perfect at 13 for us. Jonathan India is coming in on a team with Cincinnati, which was really like 500, a little bit better all year. And now they're, you know, they're, they're, they're a playoff wildcard contender, um, but they are not a dominating team. They were, they'd score a ton of runs three straight days and then they get shut out the next day. So uh, Jonathan India for me is performing really well and I'm very happy with him. I'm very glad that he was 13th ranked for us. I think dynasty owners, when we get into the off season, really break it down position by position. We're going to find Jonathan India's projections are going to catapult him into probably top five at his position. I don't know where he's going to fit in an overall, but I'm very uh, Jonathan India to me is like a great dynasty player. Like it, for me, I think he very easily could be the rookie of the year in the national league. So yep. I, mean, yep. I, I think he's probably going to be deserving of it by the time it's been done. I, there might be a strong push here down the stretch for me and Anderson. I think Trevor well, Rogers fade. Yeah, I was going to say Trevor Rogers. Sorry, Ty. If Trevor Rogers had started consistently, I think as well, that would have been a factor for Mm -hmm. him. Uh, But it's also, I mean, we, we kind of saw Kyle Lewis, uh, uh, well, I don't know, it's voted in, but we kind of saw Kyle Lewis have a really good September and Robert not. And then Kyle Lewis was the AL rookie of the year. So, uh, but we all know Otani's the MVP. So who cares? Number 12, Tristan McKenzie uh, won't be, won't be rookie eligible next year. Uh, we, we differ. So I think it's fair to say we've talked about him enough. Like I, to me, Tristan McKenzie's on the rise to you. There's a lot of question marks. Is that a fair way to do it? I'm moving him down. Like yeah. on my list, okay. I'm moving him down anyway. I just, I, I like him. I like some of the stuff. I do not like his long-term potential. It's that simple. I think the big thing for him is, um, his spaghetti body. I find yeah. it to be very attractive on the mound. And I don't mean He's that in a sexual way. I mean that 12, 12 of his 16 home runs off the fastball. Well, which there you go. So all he's got to do is just 12 less fastballs, Ty. See, it's that's the kind of way I coach guys. You know, I coach them up. Um, you need to throw 12 less fastballs. And th- those are the ones you gave up for dingers. Anyway. See, my, my thing is when I'm pitching is just don't throw a strike. They can't hit it for a home run. <laughs> <laughs> you know, well, the other thing you got to do is you got to open your eyes when you throw the ball. That's that's, right. that's a big, a big problem you've been having. <laughs> Where to go? Where to go? Yeah. Uh, okay. So this Ty, this was your, I think this was your number one uh, pitcher prospect. Correct. Ian Anderson, number eleven with Atlanta overall for us. Uh, yep. So I did have uh, Sixo Sanchez in front of him. I'm trying to look. I had Kopech as well. Um, so I think Anderson was third for me, but anyway, he was 15 for us at the end of last season, but prior to this season, number 11, I mean, I, I certainly believed him in the TGFBI industry league that I'm in. He was supposed to be my ace along with Max Fried and a bunch of other dude, Otani as well, a bunch of other guys who, you know, have all had troubles, but Ian Anderson is certainly still on the right trajectory. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you were saying potential for him to still be the AL or sorry, NL rookie of the year. Clearly you believe in him. So is he an SP two for you for next year? He'll, he'll fit, no. I guess he'll fit somewhere in the 31 to 60 range. He, he's, he's an SP one for me. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Production I'm, I'm, wise. We're talking about. Yeah. Yep. yep. Absolutely. I think he's just there. I think he just has the out pitch. Um, you know, it's, he has two out pitches and a, in a decent fastball. Right. Okay. And that's the reality that you need in, in to be a front end starter. Uh, Sixto has it as well. Like if Sixto is healthy, Sixto could have won me over in terms of top pitching guy on this yep. list, but 
But for me, Ian Anderson today is the number one guy on this list pitching wise. Um, like I said, I, I do think he's been very good the last couple of weeks. If strong finish, I, I think he will be the NL rookie of the year. But if not, I think it's going to be Jonathan India. Okay. Uh, I've got one. So I'm just, I'm creating a new category for us. And like this is for our top 10. It's fun and exciting. So we're going to go from 10 to one because we're already just about at, at an hour 20 here. Um, we're going to say if we are right or wrong based on where they are ranked today. So Andrew Vaughn was our 10th ranked prospect. Were we right or wrong on Andrew Vaughn? I think we nailed that one. I yeah. think that's right where he needs to be. I agree. We saw a lot of struggle at the start of the year. We've seen an adjustment. Andrew Vaughn, you can, I don't think you can get him in a dynasty league right now. You should not be able to. He looks to be able to be anchoring himself. Number nine, Michael Kopech. We knew he was not going to start this year, but the potential is still there and he has had a very solid season. Are we right or wrong to have Kopech at nine? I think he's too high. I think he's okay. in the teens for me. So I think he's got to be just a touch lower. And it's based on, like to be this high on the list, like you've got to give huge upside. And so you're either getting 40 saves or your starter, and he's neither of those things. So he has to be in the teens for me. And just to clarify, do you believe that Kopech will be stretched out to start next Never. year? Okay. I believe he will. Uh, I think that nine will be a bargain when we look back, but that's cool. That's why we're doing it. Uh, number eight, Randy Arena, who was previously on our top 50 list. So this is actually his second year being on the list. Good for him. Um, do you think at eight, he is ranked too high, too low, just right? I would say too low. I think he should be a top five guy on this list. And I mean, we're expecting the recoil. We've seen the recoil. Uh, frankly, I don't think it's been as bad as it could have been, uh, or I thought it was going to be. And that's why I had him lower. So that's why I think he's too low. Yeah. I mean, he was a major league plug and play guy who was not owned in several dynasty leagues. Yeah. So, um, number seven, Jared Kelnick. I mean, everyone was wrong on this one for this season, yeah. right? Moving forward, I think we're fine. Like, I, I think he's going to be uh, an absolutely fine major league player. Uh, but we are definitely wrong for this season. No questions. Yeah. And I mean, he's got to make up a lot, right? Because we're basing this list on MLB production. And yep. just, you are going to be the seventh best at production. And the stat line for this year is actually like negative, right? Like he's hurting you. Uh, to have him in your lineup. So he's basically got four years or the rest of this season, plus four years to dominate, to catch up. And the other part of it is if he hasn't lost yet, he's going to lose rookie eligibility, right? At some point through the end of the season. So I think that's a huge part of why I think we're too high. Okay. Julio Rodriguez, his, his uh, former, I I think they were former teammates. Anyway, Julio Rodriguez, who is smacking the snot out of the ball, but it's in the minors, not in the majors. He's sixth for us. Is that uh, too high, too low, just right? And this also, of course, accounts trade value as one of those vanity metrics. Yeah, I still think it's too high. Uh, He's just, he's a year away still. Um, He's very, very, very good. Um, And and he's going to be very valuable. Um, The one concern, again, I have is that he's moving quickly. He's 20 and the power Mm -hmm. isn't there yet. So very similar to like a Jordan Groshans who we talked about earlier. Like I need to see that power start to come out, right? He's got the frame again, also 6'3" but just 180, right? So if he's truly going to be a fantasy asset, he needs to bulk out a little bit. Uh, if not, he, he could end up being a defensive outfielder, which is concerning. Um, and we do see that with with hype prospects. So um, that's the one thing I'm paying attention to, 26 uh, career professional home runs. 
over 820 at bats. So, you know, just over a major league season of worth of at bats, uh, 26 bombs, not the worst. So if you got a 2020 guy there, you're going to be pretty happy with that. Yeah. So this is an interesting one, Ty. Uh, here's the stat line in 305 at bats, 32 runs, 14 dingers, 52 RBIs, one stolen base, a bazillion strikeouts to 17 walks, a 233 <laughs> average, and a 727 OPS. It doesn't sound great, but that is our number five prospect. It's Bobby Dahlback, everybody, yeah. with Boston. Um, first base, He was, I think he was third base eligible. I, I don't know, whatever. We had written him in as third base, but it's first base. Um, what do you think on that ranking for Bobby Dahlback? It has been, it has been such a weird season for him, Ty. Just so you know, his last 67 at-bats, which is the last month, he's been a 269-875 hitter. But still, five to one strikeout to walk, um, and and that's forty uh, percent K rate. I, I think we got this one just about right, and okay. I think Jonathan India is a very similar profile um, statistically outside of the hit tool, right? Which Jonathan India is a better hit tool player. We we know yeah. that, um, but Bobby Dalbeck also has 40, 50 home run potential, right? Right. Now. You know, very he, Pete Alonzo in Bobby yes, Dalback. Correct. I agree. And that's a, that's probably the best comparable for Dalback. So I think we got this yeah. one right because he got the counting sets. You got to remember, too, the big difference between India and Dalback. India has done his production out of the top of the lineup, where Dalback has done it out of the bottom. And so, you know, a little bit of a different scenario around him. India is going to find himself with guys on base and other scenarios that allow him to do different things. Whereas Dalback is getting guys that are giving him less to, to hit. And we talked about this with Toronto hitters for years. Uh, as they were rebuilding and very similar here with Dalbeck. He's not going to get the same pitches. So I think that's completely important when you take this analysis. All right. And again, Dalbeck has been improving steadily from the last month to the last two weeks to last week, but that's part of the pie, part of the pitcher for this year. And again, a five-year strategy. So to say that Bobby Dalbeck was your fifth best or is our fifth best uh, prospect is saying something it's putting weight yep. to it. And again, you're now seeing like, you know, Vaughn, I guess, well, how far back can we go here? The last guy who has not yet debuted was our 14th prospect, CJ Abrams, India, Tristan McKenzie, Ian Anderson, Vaughn, Kopech, Arizona, Kelnick, and then Julio has not debuted. Everyone else has everyone else on the list has as well, but some not this year. So next guy up, Nick Madrigal. That, he was really our, quick, that would be really interesting to compare against other lists. How many other people have their prospect list with guys that haven't debuted, right? It'd be versus F, yeah. yeah. Well, I know Bobby Witt Jr. is not in our top 50, and Bobby Witt Jr. will be inside everyone else's top 10. If he was not in their top 25 to start the year, um, even when there was that talk of Bobby Delba, or sorry, Bobby Witt Jr. is going to start the year, uh, none of that, none of that, uh, swayed us to get him inside the top 50. So yeah. just one of those things where you, you know, yes, we moved in on Dalton Jeffries and we thought that yeah. was, there was value there. Um, but with Bobby Witt Jr., we were looking a little bit more at long-term and things of that nature. So um, next up was Nick Magical, Ty. Were we right, wrong, just right? We were absolutely right. Like, I mean, you yeah. got hurt. There's nothing you can do about that. We were absolutely right on the trajectory Magical was on. So I, I don't think any change there. I think everybody knows what he is. Huge hit tools, going to score runs. He's going to be the leadoff guy for Chicago Cubs for the foreseeable future. Yeah. Uh, Sixto Sanchez was our number three. Now, pre-injury, of course. Yep. Um, Sixto Sanchez, we expected to walk in and essentially be SP1, SP2 in Miami and uh, legitimately be like a dominant pitcher. 
and we haven't got to see an inning, unfortunately, but he was fifth for us at the end of last year and started this year third on our list with the injuries and all that. He's still going to be rookie eligible next year, Ty. What do you, th- well, likely rookie eligible next year. What do you think about Sixto? I think he's going to win NL rookie of the year next year. Okay. And I think we have him right where he needs to be. Uh, I think he's probably going to be number one on this list heading into next season. Okay. By default, he would be now based on rookie eligibility. The yep. second guy we have is Ryan Mountcastle uh, with Baltimore. Now it has not been the most exciting, fun, happy time for Mountcastle this year. Um, but I mean, he's righted the ship, you know, uh, what's, what's his average right now here? 264 with a 785 OPS. The, the strikeouts have been uh, the thing, I guess, about a 30% strikeout rate. Um, the walk rate is is fairly low, somewhere in, I think it's under 7%. But uh, 19 dingers, 49 RBIs, 60, sorry, 63 RBIs, 49 runs, uh, four stolen bases. And I, I think he's on a crappy team that's going to get better and his stat line is going to get better with it. That's right. He's got no protection and that's going to change it, right? We've seen what it's done for Vlad in Toronto. We're going to see the same thing here for Ryan Mountcastle as, as the depth of that organization starts to come back around. Yeah. And I believe Mountcastle is, yeah, hurt. Yeah. Concussion right now. Um, but prior to that injury, you know, he had been hitting over 300 um, with the 65 at bats prior. So there, and I, I'm, I'm simply picking the stat line of, of, you know, the average just to give you an idea outside of the counting stats because of the team he's on, right? Yep. Like if you could be on Boston and hitting eighth, like Bobby Dahlback and contributing the same amount on the stat line as Ryan Mountcastle is today. But the expectation is that Mountcastle will move or sorry, that um, Mountcastle's team will get better around him and Dahlback will move up in the lineup. But at the moment, both players are expected to do vastly different things with their team, right? Baltimore expects Mountcastle to help to drive the offense. Uh, Boston is hoping that Dahlbeck can be a surprise addition, you know, when he's in the lineup. Um, yep. Our number one guy, Ty, we we had him, as our, had him as our number one guy as soon as last season ended. Um, he, I think he was hurt to start the year, so it was a slow start for him. But um, Pittsburgh's key, Brian Hayes. Yep. Were, were we right? I think 100%. This is a guy that I'm going to spend all offseason trying to own one share of. Okay. Because he's, I think he is a is the, the franchise cornerstone for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Okay. Um, so, sorry, I, I meant to ask, with Ryan Mountcastle at two, were we right on Mountcastle? Yes. yes. I agree I think, that we were right. Had we saw the rest of this season through without an injury, I think he would have been arguably the best player in the top 10. Okay. So just so everyone's aware for, for key Brian Hayes, the stat line is fine, but the stat line is not dominant. Um, he has 29. So 231 at bats, 29 runs, 25 RBIs, five dingers, which is rough. That's what he had last year in 85 at bats, two stolen bases, uh, but low K uh, 57 K's in those 230 at bats. And a just well, a little bit more than a two to one strikeout to walk, a 255 average, and a 712 OPS. Now, things to remember about Key Brian Hayes, very much like Ryan Mountcastle. There's no protection. Yeah. Um, there's there's no need for a pitcher to uh pitch to him because they can just go to the next guy if they want to in the lineup. And there's no one to drive him in, and there's no one on base to have driven in. So it's hard for production to come that way. And Key Brian Hayes might end up needing 
the last two years of our five-year window to be the most dominant guy to like get ahead and do all those things because Pittsburgh itself is going to need to reset. And we, I didn't know they were going to go as low as they have been that essentially everyone who goes on waivers just ends up in Pittsburgh. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, that's the obstacles to overcome. We also thought that uh, O'Neill Cruz was going to be part of this, right? Mm-hmm. So there are talented guys within Pittsburgh that they have not, teamed up with key Brian Hayes yet this year. And then there are other guys like Philip Evans, who uh, quite honestly, I thought he was going to be a lot better than he was. He's not on this list as a top 50 prospect, <laughs> but I thought Philip Evans was going to be a useful major league player. Um, turns out, you know, he had a hot start, got hurt again, second time, second year in a row. And since he's been back, he's been rough. Uh, so he's going to need this offseason to write a ship, but uh, that's, that's the big one here. Uh, we had, we did have some questions from people on the Twitter who uh, were asking some good things. I know Yancey had said, where is Shane Baz on the list? Um, I think I think that's a great question. He's not on the top 50, uh, but he certainly will be inside the top 25 come next year. He has been very good, not outside of the organizational bump that you want to give to a Tampa Bay pitcher on the cusp, uh, which, you know, you can Trist, not Tristan McKenzie, sorry. You can, uh, Brendan McKay and, uh, Brent Honeywell and Josh Fleming, and you can name all the random guys mix in with the top prospects and everything else. But, um, Baz has just been damn good. So I think he's going to be, he's going to be a, a big target this off season in some of my leagues. Yeah. And it's part of what we, uh, we talked about with Brendan McKay earlier right is is guys like Shane Baz Patino are now in his way and that's a major problem so you know he's been elite but I, I I think you might see him in the David Price role that we saw in what year is that 90 99 oh where they come in as a reliever yeah oh it was yeah. like it was like 07 or something Ty like when they did the world the first world sure. series run yeah whatever that year was yeah one of those years back in the past did you say 97 uh, I don't know. It's 99. I, don't, I, I always say 99. It's my default of like okay. back then was 1999. So. Oh my God. I was, I was just about to graduate high school and go live my best life. Um, one of the other ones we had was from John, uh, John underscore Bradkitz said, uh, you know, Prado, Gorman, Batty, and then Gore, Pearson, Nolan Jones. Well, Nolan Jones, we mentioned he was 44th Pearson not in our top 50 uh, Gore. We had said before was at 34. So Brett Batty too far away to be on our top 50 based on a five-year production window. It's not realistic. Uh, I don't know that he'll be on it next year. I, I can't imagine that's going to happen. Nolan Gorman. Yeah. He he's going to be in that top 50. I'm sure next year we're going to have to see how the rest of uh, the off season shakes out between him and the rest of the prospects. But for me, he's looking like he's getting to that point. Somebody else time going to touch on very quickly who, I have been all over for a couple of years is Lucan Baker and Lucan Baker is getting it. Can we just done. call him the muffin man from now on. Why? He's a baker. Lucan Baker. The muffin oh, man. Boo. You can do better He's... than that. Boo. Oh, but uh, okay, that's, that is the top. That's the top shelf. Nick Prado. I'm going to, I'm going to um, say on, on the Nick Prado train, look at Hector Oliveras. Imagine being Nick Prado and being like, when am I going to get my chance, man? I think I'm, I think I'm ready. I think I'm good. I'm in the right organization. Oh wait, no, I'm not. I'm in the worst organization uh, because every prospect that 
Casey has comes up and sucks if they're on the mound. And if they're a hitter, they just get sent back down. We talked about Jorge Soler trade, meaning good things for Hector Oliveras. He's been sent down since that trade. Um, so I don't know. Nick Prado, I, I definitely think depending on, well, no, I definitely think he'll be in the top 50 depending on the full season stat line and what's going on within Casey's organization. He could be moving up. He could be moving into the top 40. He could be moving somewhere in the mid thirties. There's a lot of room for him to be anywhere from, I would say 50 to 35 um, because I expect to see some good things from him. Um, uh, and Michael Simeone, SP streamer said, <laughs> where is Gore? Well, Gore is 34 and falling the yeah. wrong direction, unfortunately. Um, and I did, I did say that we did have him ranked at 34 in our preseason. Um, you know, haha, we knew, but yeah, so that pretty much covers it. I, I do want to thank a lot of people who, you know, contributed things that, you know, there were other questions and things that we did get to cover. So that's great. And again, find us at Dinger's Pod, uh, find Ty at Tourney Boss or myself at Robbie Baseball One. We know you don't want to ask the questions. It's late in the year, uh, depending on your format, your trade deadline is over, all those things, but it's still time to find value. There's still guys um, out there on the waiver wire, Ty. Somebody threw a perfect game last night uh, who is unowned Arizona diamondback who is unowned in our 30 team dynasty league that is having the slowest draft ever right now, our real money auction league. Yeah. Um, thanks to whoever the KC owner is who finally picked after I'm going to say 10 hours. Um, I'm still four picks away. I haven't made a pick since Thursday. I think that's right. So yeah. three full days. I have not got to make a draft pick in. It's a 30 team league and it's brutal. But anyway, um, Tyler Gilbert is unowned in that league. And I bet you he's going to be picked up in the next 10 picks. Um, that's somebody you can go get. I have like, zero interest in owning. Maybe not you. Maybe the listener you. The listener you. You can okay. go get a, a, a Tyler Gilbert because nobody owns him anywhere. And I looked. Uh, the fun thing about fan tracks is you can just click on the player's name and you can scroll over to see you know who has him and, and this and that. And Tyler Gilbert was picked up off waivers in five of my leagues yesterday. <laughs> so late wow. in the year, 30 team leagues, people are looking for value. Hey, go get yourself some Tyler Gilbert. Cause you know what he's going to get Ty is at least one more start. Yeah. So uh, that's worth a waiver wire pickup. Um, but yeah, I, and we are, we, we are going to go back because we had some, um, uh, some, some unfinished business with uh, more of our players that we were talking about in a previous podcast, or I guess it hasn't been released as a podcast yet, but our previous live stream tie of uh, breaking down pitchers, catchers, we're going to go through the positional guys on the next podcast. Absolutely. Great spot to leave it, Robbie until next time. So Tyler and Rob here on dingers. <laughs>